Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your amazing hosts, Crystal Williams, pronouns are she, her, and I'm here, finally back together, the three of us, my co-hosts, Lizzie and Jazzy. Hello. Hey, what's up? Hello. I have returned. Hello. I've been um, fighting homophobes across the world in the name of Pride Month or something. That's a that's a that's a noble cause to be gone for. Thank you, thank you. My it's pronouns tough. today are she and he. Good nice. stuff. So, fun times, good times. Jazzy, you're always uh, you're always she they, right? Correct. I move yeah, so that I have stuff. the most difficult possible configuration of a, of communicating about. It's so much fun. Do we wait? Do we have like three stages of the trans, the of the the gender bending? <laughs> like I'm always consistently she/her, very binary. Then we got Jazzy here with the bay. Just <laughs> a slight curveball. And then Lizzie, you're all over the fucking place tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to I like to make people confused. Someone oh, so if you're a Pokemon, you, you your your move would be confusion, right? Someone a a customer at work the other day oh. accidentally called me sir. Mm-hmm. And it was <laughs> it, it it was such a such a vibe. And then he apologized when he like looked at me closer and I was like, No, <laughs> did no, you, do did that. you you got a little bit of gender euphoria from that? Just a little. It was nice. <laughs> my girlfriend, who is also uh, she identifies as a demi girl, and she uses she and they. Um, we like to describe things as being gender. Very gender. <laughs> Very gender. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I am. I had to import a fucking movie recently, so that was a fun experience. <laughs> What'd you do? So basically, I was curious. So we had done that Studio Ghibli marathon the last month, and I was curious to um, look at the UK dub of the movie Arietti because that was a, like one of the like I think that's like the only Ghibli film where it has a different dub depending on where you are. In North America, there's the dub done by Disney starring uh uh st- what's the name of the Hold on, let me <laughs> let me pull it up. I don't know my fucking names. Arietti film. Who who's in this fucking movie again? Uh Bridget Medler and David Henry are who are in the uh US dub done by Disney, but there was another dub done sometime before then for the UK, which stars um, Sir Ronan and Tom Holland. So I was very curious to check that out because there was a lot of bits in Disney's dub where I found it questionably handled, like in terms of direction and writing. And so I am like, I, it took a while to get, but I managed to get my hands on a DVD a region two DVD with the with the UK dub of Arietti. So, and I have a working program on my computer that can pl- that can run it. So, I'll be watching it tonight to see what the deal is because I've heard people say in terms of the dubs for these movies, the UK one was far superior and much more much more loyal to the uh, to the to the original Japanese version. That's pretty interesting. Because Disney's dub just added a lot of shit. It changed a few of the names around, which is dumb, and you don't do that. (laughs) Like naming the boy Sean instead of Sho, even though the character Sho is Japanese. (laughs) Come the fuck on. (laughs) Like, you never, Disney never did this with the other fucking Ghibli dubs. What the fuck is going on here? different team maybe I don't know it's very bad and they also added a stupid pop song in the end credits that was terrible and should not have happened <laughs> what song uh what was the song hold on i i have the wikipedia page so i could probably 
Uh, it's Summertime, performed by Bridget Medler, who um, voiced Arietti in that in Disney's dub for the film. Um. Yeah, and su- su- Summertime is fucking is a fucking uh, terror is a fucking terrible song. <laughs> it's it doesn't fit and it doesn't fit with the movie at all. Well, that's a shame. Oh, that's a shame. I I need to I need to see that version at some point. Yeah, it's yeah. Apparently, G Kids wanted to try and who when they were redistributing all the Ghibli films after they got the rights to them from Disney. Um, apparently, they did want to include the UK dub of Arietti as an option in the language tracks, like, but they couldn't get the rights to it, so they were stuck with Disney's mm. dub. Which is a shame because it would have been nice to have. Like, cause, cause, cause this is a, this is a dub of a film based on a, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a UK based English dub of a, of a movie that's based on a British novel. I just think it's kind of fitting, so. I love when, when like media releases, especially physical like releases of movies, like includes every option possible. Right, I have. It's always really nice. Yeah, I have movies that have, like, both, like, more current dubs, like, in terms of anime films. I have films that have, like, will have the more current dub by default, but will also include the older dubs as an option. Like, both my copies of Akira as well as Grave of the Fireflies have, like, their modern dubs as well as their older ones available as audio options, so. along with yeah, the Jap- cool. Along with the Japanese language track, of course. I love that when when physical media can can give you all the good things like uh, mm-hmm. I, I've got I've got my Blu-ray of Army of Darkness which has it's from Shout Factory and it's got four different versions of the movie. Am nice. I gonna always watch all four versions of the movie? No, but do I? Am I happy that it's there? Yes. <laughs> it makes me sad. Um, honestly, it's one of the things that I think is one of the biggest losses of the um, the home the physical home media era is that like digital like you don't they don't it's made every studios and uh, and filmmaker not filmmakers so much but it's made everyone just less inclined to include all of the the deleted scenes and the special features and to do behind the scenes documentarians and stuff like it makes me sad i do Mm -hmm. give disney credit though disney plus some on certain movies has a good amount of their special features on the extras so that's kind of cool. I hope mm. we can find a way to bring it back um, in the streaming era, but there needs to be demand. Yeah. Um, but it's so. But yeah, I think it's just weird that Disney for Arietti just just decided to do its own dub when you had another studio in the UK that just had it right there. Like, and it's not like, and it's not deal. I, I, you would think it's it would probably be mainly Disney's obsession with having celebrities take on the roles as they do with every Ghibli dub, but the, even the UK one has a pretty celebrity like has a pretty big cast of well-known names. I mentioned uh, Saoirse Ronan, uh, Tom Holland, who wasn't a big name at that point, but he was but kind he of is now. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is now. Uh, but it also has um, Olivia Colman and Mark Strong in the cast, so who are. Like, who are well-known Academy Award-nominated actors. It's like, Disney, they did the work for you. You don't need to spend more money on this. Well, but the Disney version has Bridget Medler, and she's got a degree from MIT and Harvard. Yeah, but it also has a man who was in his, like, late 20s, early 30s playing a character who's supposed to be 12. (laughs) Yeah, they had David Henry, who was in, um... I think it was Wizards of Waverly Place is yeah. what he was in at the time. Yes, and, he and Bridget Medler were dating. Yes, <laughs> they they had him play this 12-year-old child, despite the fact that he sounds nothing like a 12-year-old child. Why wouldn't they use the actual 12-year-old child who's right there on the same show as the other two? Right, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if you really need a Disney Channel star that's a child, you have plenty. Like, There's lots of little boys on your network, Disney. That sounded weird. That's um, um I mean, and then you have um, Amy Poehler, Will Arnett, and Carol Burnett, who, they did fine. Um, Carol Burnett was probably the best part of this dub, honestly, because she was just going full ham, and I loved every second of it. 
But uh, Will Arnett sounded fucking bored throughout this movie. It's kind of hilarious. That's wild because out of all of those people, Will Arnett definitely has presently the uh, get the most continued uh, voice acting career. Yeah, he does. And but I don't know. I think this was yeah. It's just yeah. Hey. He just sounded really tired throughout this entire entire dub of the movie. Like he, this was this was a paycheck. I don't know if he was even told the context of the character he was playing. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Amy Poehler was fine, but I I rarely have issues with Amy Poehler performances. So. <laughs> and like I said, Carol Burnett was just amazing in every scene she was in because for one of the most harmless antagonists in a Gib- in any of Ghibli film she just went she just indulged in being the worst and I loved it <laughs> um, so I have a question because I saw this on Twitter last night and it's been driving me insane so I don't know if either of you saw this but as a clip from Joe Rogan I don't yeah. watch Joe Rogan clips, so no, I probably no. haven't seen it. <laughs> no, just because it was the content of it, insane. He dead ass was described. Does it just get getting more and more crazy? First of all, he described lesbian sex as the least gay sex. What? <laughs> Which, sir? <laughs> and then he took it a, a, a step further and said, "No, the least or the, the least gay porn." That you can watch um, is is lesbian porn where one of the women is trans, and it's like that's gayer. You understand that that's gayer, right? <laughs> I you feel like you're, you're literally describing like the gayest sex imaginable right now. Yeah, this is like extremely fucking gay, Joe. What the fuck are you talking Joe, about? This is when and 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 it, to, what was wild about it to me. As I listened to that, and that was the moment I think something clicked in me about cis straight men uh-huh. and the degree to which they simply do not perceive uh, women or sapphic sexuality as as its own actual thing, like at all. We're <laughs> we're not people. We're not gay. We're there for you, like, like, it's straight because you are presuming that everything that is done is to the gaze of what is relevant to men and cis men. Jesus. Genuinely, yeah. I was so shook. I was sitting there, I had to call my girlfriend and be like, I need to tell you about the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I what just, the- I just heard this. I'm, I'm going insane. What the fuck? Very often. He says the stupidest shit you'll ever hear. So, you know, there's a very good chance you're going to run into it, and that sounds incredibly stupid. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so how's 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 um, the world treating everybody? I know um, for roughly 50% of the population in the U.S., it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Deep sigh. Deep sigh. Yes, <laughs> the soul sigh. <sighs> we, you, you know, we're all doing our best as we head into a theocracy, so that's fun. We're all having a great time. Yep, we're doing the the best. Everything is going to be fine. There are no problems. The Supreme Court loves us. There is and no the problem. Democrats are really helping us. Don't don't ever criticize them. You have to you have to praise the Democrats because they're really trying, guys. Come on, they're really trying so hard. I don't know. AOC is being a little too aggressive. Yes, too aggressive. <laughs> too aggressive. I we need you gotta get in line with the, the strategy of the Democrats, which is to know about this thing that is going to happen two months in advance, do nothing uh, the day it happens, send out um, texts asking for fundraising money. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. 
That, yeah. No, votes and, votes and prayers. Votes and prayers. Votes and prayers. That's all, that's, that's, that's the solution to this problem. Just vote. Don't do anything. I'll just vote. Just vote. Don't expect your politicians to do anything. Just vote. And at least we're not them, right? I'm so fucking mad. I, I, I've been, uh, furious. The best part is when you're on Twitter and then cis white liberal men tell you how you're privileged because you live in a blue state and you're mad at the Democrats. You know, you're the one causing the division. Oh, I cannot stand. Okay. Both from the stop being, like, like any perspective. There's two different angles, right, to the stop being worried if you live in a blue state shit. Um, and both of them make me angry. Uh, for one thing, I'm not comforted by the fact that, like, oh, only other women are going to die from ectopic pregnancies. Only other trans people are going to um, have their likelihood of self-harm and, and suicide risk get massively increased um, by the dysphoria brought on by pregnancy. Only other people. Like, only these things are only going to happen to other people. Like, that doesn't comfort me. I hate to say, I hate to say that doesn't make me feel better. Sorry. Um, oh, it's okay. That oh, you're you're not a twelve year old girl in a red state, so you're fine. I'm like, oh no. So I'm just supposed to be okay with the fact that it's other little twelve year old babies who are gonna be assaulted and then have to give birth. Fuck you. Like it doesn't that doesn't make me feel better. And additionally. From the other angle of it, like, oh, you're so, you're, you're fine. Don't worry. Like, the privileged notion, as if California can't, as if California is not at risk of a Republican governor after an apathetic enough voting period. Like, shut up. Jeez. And this I, is the thing I, that pisses me off. In my lifetime, I remember, like, I understand that Oberfeld v. Hodges is not overturned yet. Um, I have zero confidence that 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 it's gonna uh, hold. Um, and I like in my lifetime, in my lifetime, I watched Prop Eight be proposed and passed, and it take seven years for it to get overturned. I remember it. I remember it clearly. I wasn't a baby. I was nine when that happened. I remember it. I watched it happen. I watched adults in my life vote for it. So like, I don't really, I really, really, really don't need to hear whatever platitudes anybody has to say about how, oh, we're fine because we're in a blue state. It's not comforting to know the decisions this fucking government is making is awful. Like, like, even if we are in a blue state. I really appreciated the, uh, the, the, the cis white, I'm going to say presumably straight man who went into my my mentions when I was really pissed. And I said, you know, maybe the Dems should do something about it and that it feels like voting has been worthless. I was venting and then being told mm-hmm. that that I shouldn't vent about that because you're the, actually the one causing the division and you're going to make people not vote. And then the Republicans are going to win because of you. And then being told I'm privileged because I live in a blue state and obviously I don't care about the red state, which is, was, was made me livid. (laughs) I'm angry because I care. No, you're not allowed to care, Crystal. No, no. I'm allowed to care, but I'm I'm not allowed to be ang- angry at the people who are supposed to, or at least pretend that they want to help us. The people right? who are supposed like, to, who are theoretically, I don't know. The thing I saw that I think I agree with the most um, was this one tweet thread that said, "It's not that I believe Nancy Pelosi seek is secretly evil and doesn't want." you know, gay marriage and, and health care and, and abortion rights for the country. She almost certainly does. I just it's just that she's, you know, cares more about the the preciousness of the system of US uh or US democracy. Like she's and I think that's true. I think it's very true that the issue is that so many were it's not that Democrats are hip they are hypocrites. It's not that Democrats are like secretly evil, that they secretly don't want the things that 
they say they want. I think they do. I just agree that they care so much more about the decorum and the institution of U.S. government and U.S. electoral politics. And that is obviously in capital and and the the principle of capitalism more so than they care about the people or getting the things that they want to the people. And I think that's correct. And I think that that almost makes me angrier. I think some of them care. I think others don't care at all and just care about lining their pockets and keeping their power. So uh, that's just how I feel. (laughs) But yes, before people get more mad at me, you can vote. Voting is good. You should vote. Voting, voting, it's not going to hurt and it's not difficult to do. Right. So I find um, people encouraging voter apathy. Like, what is, what is pro- productive about? I guess I also just find the whole conversation unproductive. Vote. Do it. It takes very little time. It's good for it's it's not going to hurt. You can you, you like like, yeah, sure. Question how effective it's really going to be. But like. You shouldn't not do it. You should absolutely, we should still be doing it. I would also recommend that they don't, you don't browbeat people who feel tired and fed up that their votes and time has, feels like nothing. Well, I think that's what's so, that's what's so infuriating about like the fucking, like I got a fucking text message. An hour yes. after the news broke from the from from Newsom's team, and I'm like, I don't do it. What do you mean you need my money? You need a donation from me to do all of the policies that you're saying, the abortion protections in the state of California that you say you're going to do. Just do it. Yeah, but they need more money. My they state election already happened. My state election happened to, like like two weeks before this happened. I voted already. We did it. We did Maybe the too. thing. Yeah. Like, we did the thing, yes. We did the thing already, Gavin. You're here. Now you do your thing. You make California a sanctuary state so that people can't be prosecuted, or that you will not aid in the investigations or prosecutions of people who cross state lines here to come and receive an abortion. Do it. Jazzy, we're sorry you live in the fucking red estate. <laughs> eh, it's whatever. Uh, cities are doing the best, like individual cities are doing the best they can at this point. So, my, I had a, I had one of my old uh, teachers back when I was still applying to grad schools. Um, she recommended. She was like, you should really look into UT Austin. And I did. I said to her immediately, I was like, I'm not moving to Texas. It could be my dream school. I would not move to Texas. And I'm really, really sorry that uh, your home is is doing this shit, Jazzy, because that's a horrible situation. To it. It's a horrible place of feelings to have. Mm-hmm. It's obvious we've been we've been carrying around this for a bit. <laughs> I'm just I'm mad and I'm scared. You same. And uh, I'm mad. But and and the thing is, I'm so not I'm I I'm not overwhelmingly scared for me because I do live in a blue state, and on top of that, I'm a dual citizen. I can move to Canada at the drop of a hat. I can move to Canada tomorrow. I got a passport. I can just go and stay and they can't kick me out. But like to what I said earlier, that okay, so I'm fine. What about the everybody else that I love and care about? Like that doesn't <laughs> I'm scared that, I, that I'm not going to know how to help people when this just inevitably gets worse and I don't know really what more I can do. 
Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm just being depressing. It's all good. No, it's okay. It's good to vent about these things, and I think it's good that we have these these moments in our fun little podcast to acknowledge the the realities of the world. Um, I think I think advocating like we do helps. Spreading awareness helps. Talking about it helps. Um, it may not always feel like that, but I think. I have hope that 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 we can make things better, but we just have to continue doing the work and helping each other. Um, when I'm I'm pretty, I don't think I've mentioned this actively on the podcast before. I'm actually moving um, at the begin end of July slash beginning of August um, to San Francisco, and my plan at the moment is once I get there um, to try and find what. Um, you know, uh, organizations I can uh, make myself a part of to help, specifically in regards to, um, I think the thing I would care about the most is some, something something in aiding women to get across, something in a, aiding the uh, procuring of, of um, abortions and, and health care for, and, and pregnancy prevention. I don't know, I want to find something I can do to help. Uh, so if anybody in the Bay Area knows of a, a good and reputable organization that needs volunteers that I can look into. I would love for you to tell me about it. Yeah. And to our listeners, if you feel like you want to help, you can do the same thing as well. <laughs> find, mm-hmm. find local groups and communities. Do, uh, do your part. If you're, if that, if that is feasible. Or, 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 there's always a revolution. We can always just march up, we can always just march up to the uh, homes of the Supreme Court justices and uh, really politely oh. ask to change their minds. Did you see that their their information was leaked? Yeah, their info and their credit card is. I find the credit card one a lot funnier because you know at the end of the day, all of these people have a second house that they can go to. Um, they've got uh, underpaid interns opening their mail. Uh, but the credit card thing—that's funny. The credit card thing hurt at least I hurt them for a minute. That was like one day of damage we could do. Didn't. I, I think I heard this, and I don't know if there's validity to it, but didn't they, like, use one of the credit cards to buy a, a Hatsune Miku statue? Yes. I don't know if it's real, but I, I yeah. also heard Because it. every major event in modern history comes back to Hatsune Miku. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope it's real. Just like every actor's career can, can be traced to Kevin Bacon somehow, <laughs> so too does every major historical event in the modern age get linked back to Hatsune Miku. Uh, um, I also I this week in, in 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 vaguely lighter news, um, I I went to see the Black Phone. Oh, nice! Oh. How was it? Really good. It was great. Um, I'm a big fan of exactly. I'm a big fan of the way Scott Derrickson. Um, I don't want to say he shot it like a movie from the '70s, but he really committed to the aesthetic of the '70s without it. Let me let me put uh, words and language and words. A lot of the time, I find with um, period films, like just to use an example. And I honestly didn't really feel, I, I didn't hate this movie nearly as much as the rest of the internet did, but uh, I actually kind of liked it, was a Bohemian Rhapsody. Sure, you put everybody in 70s hair and costumes, but nothing about this movie visually feels or looks like the 70s. God, you're you're reminding me of disappointment. Lizzie, <laughs> why do you do this to me? And just, just to draw a parallel... Um, and Scott Derrickson with this movie did a really great job of me sitting here. I'm like, no, it looks like it's 1978. It absolutely does. It looks like it, and it feels like it. 
uh, the color grading and the energy and the and the direction makes me feel like I am in the 70s, which is a thing. Just a lot of movies set in the 70s make themselves too clean and shiny. Right. And I'm like, no, you should. <laughs> everything should be like dusty brown wood paneling. And that should be, I should feel, I feel like the varnish off of the wood paneling in these houses should have been scraped off the walls and put on your camera. That's what I should feel like when I'm watching your movie. It needs to look shittier. Yes. (laughs) Grime it up a bit. Uh, And I feel like he did a really excellent job of that. Um, Ethan Hawke was great. I mean, yeah. As the, as the grabber. That's the name of the fucking... Not a pedophile. Oh, jeez. Do you... Jazzy, do you... You've heard of... I mean, you've seen the preview for this, right? Or have you heard Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something I've seen around the internet quite a bit, actually. Like, I don't think I've seen trailers for it in theaters, but I have seen a lot of, like, commercials for it on the internet, so... I like the concept. I've been kind of looking forward to it. Uh, Especially since there was, like, early positive reception for it. I thought it was really... Should I finish, Crystal? Oh, I'm just saying... Go, no, go ahead, actually. It was leading into that. <laughs> it was great. It was really, really good. Um, I was also a big fan... Like, I don't, the, cause the base... Cause anybody who hasn't seen the advertising for this movie, I should actually specify. Um, the base conceit of this movie is set in 1978, and there's this guy called The Grabber who um, has been kidnapping a series of, like, adolescent boys generally between the ages of, like, 12 and 17. Um, And they disappear, and they're never seen again. And the main character of our movie is this kid. He gets kidnapped, and he's basically the ghosts of the other children that he's taken um, teach him how to escape. Uh, And they communicate via this disconnected old rotary phone attached to the wall in the basement that the kid's being kept in. And it's really good. This concept is utilized so well. Um, I said this on Twitter, but something I actually really, really love is that the supernatural elements of this movie, they're just there. Hmm. Uh, they don't try and do any sort of explanation, right? No. And I appreciate that so much because I'm so sick of movies thinking that I need to, I need a 20 minute lore lesson for you to incorporate supernatural elements into your movie. I really, really don't. And I didn't need it, like, and I, I appreciated it so much because it's not the point. How or why there are ghosts and why only he can hear them when the other kids couldn't, like, I don't need to know that. These are the spirits of the kids who were hurt before. He, this this kid has, like, is psychic and can hear them. And that's, that's it. We get to, and then we get to have this, this sort of metaphorical coming of age story about this kid learning to be resourceful and strong and how to fight and how to stand up for himself and how to protect him. Like we get this good, really solid, uh, character development story, like very character based story vis-a-vis the, uh, supernatural storytelling elements. And you don't need to explain this to me. I know what a ghost is. I'm good. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck is a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have a question for you. What do you think of Sinister? Um, it's good. If we're talking about Derrickson. It's good. It's not my favorite. That particular era of of horror movies, I'm not... I, I said that I love this movie, especially because of how it did ghosts. I'm not, ghost movies are actually, and hauntings is not, like, the highest on my list of um, favorite types of horror. Not to say that I don't love a lot of them, but, so I, I never really, like, got super, super into the, the first one's really good. The first one I like a lot, but I never really got super into the, like, the broader franchise around Sinister or the other one. Um, what was the other, fuck, what was it called? The other big, big, like, ghost. Insidious. Right? Insidious, yeah, thank you. I mix them up just, all the time because those names are similar in my head, and they were coming out at the same time. So when I, I was a kid, I'd see the point. posters at the same time, and I just like I I get those titles mixed up so much. I I just I just ask since like I feel like Sinister has like an incredible like there's some incredible sequences of like like 
genuinely terrifying filmmaking in that movie. I agree. I enjoy it. I enjoy it, but I also think the movie kind of drops the ball in the last act. Um, That's the thing. I agree too. I think Derrickson's direct. Here's the thing. I think Scott Derrickson is a phenomenal horror director. I feel like the like, 2010s brought into the mainstream. I think he's in that group with like um. I can't remember anybody's name today. Fucking Oculus. Oh. He'll have. Uh, help me. I love this guy. Oh my god. I'm so mad at myself. Uh, I am mad at myself right now too, to be honest. It's, uh, <laughs> Because he's like one of my favorites. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, thank you. He's like, I feel like he and Mike Flanagan were coming in around the same time. It was this batch that I just, um, and so I think that he's super, super talented. I think Scott Derrickson's a great director. Um, I thought his first Doctor Strange movie was great. I thought the directing in that movie was great. Yeah, Um, no, I, I. I'm never disappointed by his directing. yeah, same. Never, even if yeah, I don't jive with the whole movie. I feel like Sinister, if it landed, like, we'd still be, like, like really, really talking about it. Because there's, like, genuinely great moments in that film. Right. Jazzy, did you ever see Sinister? No, I hadn't, which is funny, because that was... Like, I had followed a review website at the time called Spill.com, and that was movie was written by one of their former reviewers, so. Oh, and really? I, So I remember that being big news, like, around the around uh, Spill's fandom at the time. That's interesting. Scott Derrickson works with Ethan Hawke a lot, that. eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Ethan Hawke seems to be the one that he brings in a lot for these horror <laughs> films. One of his go-tos, which is reasonable because Ethan Hawke is Ethan Hawke's really scary <laughs> when he wants to be, especially in this movie. Because the thing, the whole thing in this movie is that we don't see his face. He's wearing a mask the whole time, and the masks are. This is one of the creepy things I liked about the movie. The mask changes um, <clears throat> to reflect things that are happening. Um, but so, but Ethan Hawke gives this fantastic, this absolutely fantastic performance, uh, without us ever seeing his face, and that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge to make me, like, genuinely so terrified of this person. And I appreciate Ethan Hawke's willingness to do that, because it would have been really, and also the movies, like, cause Ethan Hawke is not cheap. Um, <laughs> it would have been really easy to just get a no-name actor to do this part because we can't see their face. Um, and so he committed, and I think that was great. He did really, really good. He was really scary in this movie. Scott and probably just really likes working with him. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. And I would also love to have the uh, child actors in this movie were great. They did a great job. The kids, because the main character, you know, is this kid. He's probably, the actor, I would guess, is probably like 15 or 17, somewhere in that range. But I think the character is supposed to be like 13 or 14. Um, the kid, he did great. Um, he had great facial expressions, really great emotion. Um, he did a good job of just uh, being this really kind but tough kid who needed to learn how to stand up for himself. Like, it's a great, it's really, really good. I compared the plot to Coraline, and my girlfriend looked at me like I was crazy, and I was like, no. <laughs> it's the same story. <laughs> oh. I see what you, I, see, I can see the connection. It's the same plot as Coraline. <laughs> so it's, it's, it was really, really good. I recommend going to see it. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to. That's that's on my list for sure. Um, but also speaking of things I watched recently, I finally started watching Twin Peaks, and Crystal is very excited. <laughs> yes, I love Twin Peaks. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I've been I'm happy when people watch Twin Peaks. I over the last month or so, I've been watching um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh... I swear to God, if you're watching this... You've been immersing yourself in Star Wars. Is it your first time watching it? I I watched a bit of season one back when it first aired when I was a teenager, but I kind of stopped. This is my first time. I am at a point where I am in the series. It's all 
completely new territory for me. There's some stuff I'm familiar with, thanks to the internet. That, like, I know about some major events that happen in the series, but there's a lot of them where I'm just, it, I'm completely blind going into this, so it's been an experience. Um, this, if you're watching the series cr- chronologically, this, it, you are jumping, I swear to God. It's the, <laughs> it's like the one, it's the one thing I kinda hate about this series. Is that. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like, like season two especially is having me jump because like if you're watching in chronological order, the first season two episode you watch is the first episode is the first episode you watch. Period. And then when you actually get to season two proper, you watch the first three episodes, and then you have to jump to fucking seventeen. <laughs> I hate. Yeah, this it's shit. really weird. I hate this shit, but I'm enjoying it. I mean, season one was kind of oh, I. I've watched most of season one. There's an episode that I still have left over that doesn't come in in the chronology until much, until um a bit later, like around mid-season three from what I'm seeing on the list. But I season one, I've finished most of, I, and I'm confident to say my opinions on that season, all, like, overall. It's good. It had problems, though. Like, it's, it's definitely the first season, and I thought the mo- the pilot movie that they released in theaters for some fucking stupid reason was awful. Like I thought the mo- like the movie was easily the worst part about this so far. Yeah, I feel like the show starts off kind of mm-hmm. kind of at best. Some episodes are are fun, mm-hmm. but mostly it's kind of meh. Right and. One. Yeah, one thing I noticed with season one that was very bothersome is it liked doing a lot of two-parters, but these two-parters, nothing would happen in part one, and then everything would happen in part two. So part two was always the one where, always the more interesting watch. And I'm not trying to be, like, you know, typical, but, like, I hated episodes where Jar Jar was in it. I disliked most of the Jar Jar episodes, except the Gungan General, because that one showed that he could be resourceful. Like, that was, like, the... I think I remember that one. That was, like, the one episode I liked Jar Jar, but then immediately the next episode he's in, I found him annoying again, so I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah. And then Um, they they alternated the actors a bit, too. Yeah, 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 because sometimes it was, um... Ahmed Best reprising his role, role from the movies, but other times it was uh, Phil Lamar under an alias because Phil Lamar knew better than not to reveal it at the time. That was probably a smart decision. Right. Um, nowadays, it's it's no secret that it's Phil Lamar voicing him. In fact, he reprised the role for the um, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga game so and did so not under an alias this time. But we're in an era where people pretend the prequels are good now, so... So I guess it's safe to say you voice Jar Jar. Um, I mean, no, it's, it's I a, think that there's a difference. Sorry, Crystal. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear. I your, do your think there's um there's two different camps with that on the reevaluation of the prequels. I think I think I agree with you. There are some people who are just being contrarian, and we do this and we get into this cycle where any movie once for past twenty years since it came out suddenly we have to reevaluate it as a masterpiece. Um. Mm. So I agree. There's some people straight up just pretending that they're they're good, and it's like no, they're not. <laughs> and they're definitely and say what we can all say what we want about the uh, sequel trilogy. Those are still better movies. At least they are. You are. Um, yeah, yeah, and, they are. And like we don't <laughs> like like come on, we can we cannot all not be silly. But I do think what's happening. I think also though at the same time that makes it easy to do that is you know the gener my generation of people who were kids like, young kids when the the prequels came out. And we're like, but we grew up with these, and these are part of our Star Wars. I did a little thread about this, actually, which is that my... I'm I'm happy that I... <laughs> that my introduction to Star Wars was through my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, because my dad loves the prequels, because my dad loves Star Wars, and the prequels were more Star Wars. Yeah, I... And that's that a, was that. Very... <laughs> That's a very but, positive way of going through that. And yeah, I think same so. Same way with, with The Hobbit. My dad loves Lord of the Rings, so he was like, I love these Hobbit movies. It's more Lord of the Rings. Like, my dad likes, my dad likes things, and he likes the things he likes, and he doesn't mm-hmm. uh, feel the need to, like, 
think too much harder about that. Mm-hmm. Um, which leads to his politics uh, being really funny when he then tells me that his favorite show growing up was Star Trek. I'm like, how? But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Dad, you realize that your favorite TV show is about a communist utopia? <laughs> Are you aware? But, uh, but um, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. I but I'm I'm happy for that because it allowed this environment where like I have nothing but like positive memories of the prequels from when I was a kid. For the most part, um, and I talk, I talk about how Revenge of the Sith was the first movie, Star Wars movie I saw in theaters, and I got scared, so he had to take me out during the, uh, the, the lava fight scene. I got really, really scared. Hmm. Um, and so I, I just, I associate, um, the prequels with a lot of positive memories from being a kid. Um, I do too, because Phantom Menace, so Phantom Menace was the first one I ever saw. Attack of the Clones was the first one I saw in theaters. And Revenge of the Sith is the one, is the first one I remember seeing in theaters. <laughs> so the, there are good memories I have with the prequels. It's just I, I did an entire marathon of Star Wars shit recently, and I'll say right now, I do not like Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. It's not even me being in the general prequel hating camp. I just with my general taste in movies in mind, I just think they're fucking terrible. So they're not, they're not good movies. Mm-hmm. Like they're badly made, they're poorly directed. Um, the dialogue that uh, George Lucas wrote for the characters to say is bad and it's stilted, and mm-hmm. he doesn't allow the actors to emote properly. He encourages a very apathetic type of performance, uh, and he doesn't really yeah. know when that's good and when that's bad. So it just comes across everywhere. And that means that already cringe, uh, already, um, poor lines gets poor delivery and it's just bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Also, his insistence on, his, and, and, and the complete insistence on having pretty much no practical sets, uh, right. I think is nothing but a detriment to those movies. Say what you will about the sequels. They at least put some effort into actually having practical effects. Like, I watched um the most recent one, I, like, the last film for that marathon, obviously, was Rise of Skywalker, and even though I didn't think it was a good movie, I liked a lot of the practical effects, and I liked the fact that when they were at the desert with the big alien festival, they the aliens were all dudes in costumes. I thought that was fucking awesome, so... Yeah, uh, no, um, the, that's, I'm, with, I'm with both of you there. Um, but, so um... Before we, we move on from that little topic. I'll let you. Sorry, Jasmine. I'll, I'll, don't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to say that, like, you rewatch them and you still think they're terrible. And I rewatched them recently, and I think, I think there's. So I'm, I'm way less negative on them than when I used to be. But I, I'm not saying that I that they've done a complete turnaround. But I definitely think there's also a lot of hyperbole when it came to hating the prequels. Like, that's fair. Yeah, but, uh, just, that's that's kind of how I came away from it in this more recent viewing. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. But um, but yeah, back to Clone Wars though. So, yeah, the thing about season one, the like the episodes of season one I liked were the ones that were focusing on characters and planets that we don't see in the prequels because. There were a lot of times in these two-parters where the cliffhanger was basically, will these characters we see alive and well in Revenge of the Sith be alright by the end, in the next episode? Oh, I fucking wonder. But like, have, so, have you met, ran into the, the witches yet? Is that the more no, my two? I, later? I haven't run into any witches, no. Okay. I don't know what, I'm, I'm sitting here like, Crystal, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, okay. There's, there's, there's a planet of witches. Oh, cool. Uh, try not to spoil uh, too much for me. <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything. I just asked because they, they brought them back in, um, in the, the what's the game? The Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order. Hmm. Um, the characters that were introduced in Clone Wars, or at least not characters, but oh, the Darth I, Maul species, the Darth Maul species, whatever they're fucking called. Yeah. yeah, I haven't run into them yet, but I know that's one thing I do know. I know Maul comes back eventually, so. Okay, so no, no, I'm, I promise I won't spoil anything. I just, I just, I'm trying to, in my mind, that whole show since I watched it at once is all lumped together, you know. Right. So it's, but, it's hard for me to separate when it happens, so I'm not trying to, you know, jump ahead of you. 
But anyway, so yeah, with the Clone Wars, yeah, there were the good, the episodes I found good were the ones that were exploring concepts that I just found more interest that like are kind of divorced from the main characters, which I know it might be an in, might be a detriment. But like, um, one of my favorite episodes that a lot of people told me from the get go was a really good episode. I would I would I would enjoy was um, Lair of Grievous, which follows. Um, Two Jedi, one we've see, one we see in in the background of Revenge of the Sith. I think Palpatine fucking butchers him, uh, Kit Fisto, <laughs> and his apprentice basically go to a planet and find themselves in the evil lair of General Grievous. I found this episode to be one of the better ones of season one because we don't. There's not a lot known about Grievous from Revenge of the Sith. He was kind of a bland character, so. This episode, through visuals, managed to tell me so much more about him, and I found him so fascinating. So it turned this character that I didn't give a shit about in the movie to someone I was interested in. In fact, it's kind of funny because season one's biggest villain, the one it used the most, was um, Grievous. Uh, Ventress, Asajj Ventress, who I honestly find to be the more interesting villain, if I'm being honest, isn't in too much, which I thought was sad. And Dooku is kind of just sitting there, and I'm wondering, what are you even contributing? Like, every time Dooku shows up on screen, I'm wondering, what are you contributing to this war effort, you useless fuck? <laughs> like, the most he did was in the movie, and I thought the movie was shit, so that's a problem. Well, you still have time. Mm-hmm. But I kind of get why there was a lot more focus on Grievous. Like, this was a character who had fucking, who was one of the major villains of one of the movies. And no one knew shit about him unless you watched a an early 2000s Cartoon Network show that wasn't very well advertised. It's also not canon anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, right? but, but that was irrelevant when they were making this new Clone Wars series. That was kind of a, like... The canon of that was a huge. The canon of the early 2000 series was a huge debate when the when this series came out. So nowadays it's definitively not canon, though there are aspects of it that are canonical. It's weird because, like, like if you go I to the, it. it's good. I'd recommend, even though it's not canon, I'd highly recommend it. If you like stuff like uh, Samurai Jack and stuff that 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 dude has made, I it, and you want to see that done in a Star Wars setting, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I've been curious. It's on Disney Plus. They they put it under the Legends canon on Disney Plus. So, oh, I forgot. Yeah. Cool. So, but yeah, yeah. The thing about but yeah, Clone Wars. I I'm also enjoying it, it how it expands on the personalities of some of these Jedi we've only ever seen as background characters in the um in the, in the prequels like i mentioned kit fisto got his own episode and i have to say after seeing how much of a badass this guy is i refuse to believe he died as pathetically as he did in revenge of the sith i refuse well wouldn't be the first i mean i refuse crystal no what i mean is that wouldn't be the first character to seemingly come back from the dead I know, but shut up, first of all. <laughs> I was I was trying to help your case, and you told me to shut up. <laughs> I don't... After Rise of Skywalker, I don't want to hear shit about characters coming back from the dead. <laughs> Not in this fucking franchise. <laughs> no, like, I, I just refuse to believe that fucking Kit Fisto, this badass who could stand his own ground against a Jedi murdering machine like Grievous, like, just suddenly got slashed a little bit, like, slashed a little bit by Palpatine and just fell down dead. Like, <laughs> you just, the way you explained that just reminded me of this, this super famous TikTok that goes around. I'm not gonna repeat everything that she says, but her main point was, <laughs> are you telling me that Padme Amidala wanted scrawny-ass, baby-ass Anakin Skywalker when Daddy One Kenobi was right there? 
Yes. That is a fair point. But you know what's also is a big fucking issue? The fact that Padme died of a fucking broken heart. I hate that shit so much. I hate that shit. It drives me insane because there's like a thousand things you could have come up with, George. Right. It's so So dumb. Like you didn't need to make it stupid. Like this lady was like one of the most was like one of the strongest characters who always held on to her morals and convictions and didn't give shit to nobody. And you're telling me her boy, her husband turned to the dark side, and that's enough to make her not want to live anymore. I get that that would be a horrible thing to go through, and there'd be a lot to process. I refuse to believe she lost the will to live and just fucking died out of because nowhere. Because her children during- weren't enough will to live. Right, that's bullshit. I hate that so much. But, like, I, as if Padme would just give up and let herself die when she had two babies to watch. Bullshit. And people <laughs> try, and I brought this up in the live tweet, and people tried defending that to me, saying, "Oh, there's a theory that Palpatine was using Plagueis magic to siphon Padme's life into Vader's," and it's like, "Yes, but that's a theory." George that's Lucas. That's a great theory if they said it in the movie. Right, that's not, I doubt that was the intention. And then another person said, oh, well, she was going through a lot emotionally. And I'm like, enough to just up and die? Like, it wasn't even, listen, because he almost killed her. Anakin almost killed her. Right. That's, that's, that's like the whole thing. That's why he believes it. So, like, there's no reason why you could, you really, and, like, it still would have been, like, huh, all of this technology and you can't help her with this. But, like, pregnancy is a hard Pregnancy and childbirth are hard things, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're dangerous things. So, I don't know. I feel like if you just got suffocated and you're in a coma and then you need to give birth, it's not impossible to me that you die in that process between those two things. Like, it could have just been that. Yeah, that was such bull. That was the it most It have to be a broken heart. Like, why are you adding in this weird, like, will to live shit? Like... Like, they had the robot explicitly say, nothing seems to be wrong with her. Just say something's wrong with her. Like, she was... She she hit her head. She's got brain dance. Like... I remember in the comic adaptation, not only did Anakin force choke her, but when he released her, he slammed her into the fucking ship. That, like, keep that! That could have fucking killed her! She broke her spine. She broke her spine. Mm -hmm. She was choked. She couldn't survive yeah. I didn't survive childbirth. Like, it's that simple. It really, like, you didn't have to. <laughs> I understand that would be fucking dark, but you are, but this is like the darkest fucking Star Wars movie, and you already had him choke her. Might as well go all the way. <laughs> I know, like, you're either gonna have it that he was responsible for killing her, or you're not. Right. None of this will to live this shit. This cop out is, is. Like, I think that is. It honestly takes so... something away from the tragedy a bit to me. Yeah, it, that to me, that's the worst moment in the prequels, and it comes from the one prequel I actually like, so. <laughs> because, yeah, I, 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 despite my bullshit toward the prequels, I actually like Revenge of the Sith. I think it's actually a solid movie, but. <laughs> yeah, never, se- never said it was perfect, I just said it was solid. <laughs> it's the best prequel, and I don't think that's a controversial opinion. Right, like, nope. I, I think the opinion tends to be um, it's the best prequel, but only marginally. Like a lot, I've heard a lot of people say, "Yeah, it's the best," but only like by a margin. It's still a bad movie, and I can understand that. Personally, I actually thought it was pretty good. So, like, it had problems, but so do a lot of movies I consider pretty good. Like, ugh. It's 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 pretty good for for uh, for a prequel. It's 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 definitely the best by far. Well, it's definitely the by, best. By it's got the best fight choreography. It's when Hayden Christ. It's the more so than Attack of the Clones, but like a huge margin. Hayden Christensen's performance is much better. Um, yeah, I actually I'm thought loving it's... his performance in Kenobi. I haven't finished it. I need to watch the last episode so. But do it, do it. He's doing. He's great in Kenobi. Yes, he is. Yeah, he, his performance was a major highlight. And I'm happy for that. I'm happy for for him to be getting a, a um, rehabilitated time mm-hmm. in the fandom, as it were. Not that he needs it. Um, 
but I'm happy. I'm happy that he has gotten the opportunity to come back and and find joy in playing this part, which is something yeah. I imagine he hasn't been able to have for a very long time. So. Uh, yeah, I've I've been watching all the interviews with him, so it's been great to hear from him. Alrighty. Um, does anybody have anything else specifically that they really want to touch on? Lizzie, did you did you want to touch on Twin Peaks, or did you want to say that? Oh, I'll finish. I'll, I'll I'll we'll do it next week when I finish the when I finish the first season. We'll tease it. Okay. Yeah, but we got to tease. Get to hear your thoughts on uh, David Lynch's masterpiece. Um, I have one big thing, and I said this on Twitter, and I got a lot of people giving like a realized agreement. Um, to this, something I really want to state, uh, Dale Cooper is autistic. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. That is well, absolutely, that man, I'm watching, sitting here watching the show, I'm like, this man's autistic. <laughs> I don't think Lynch intended to write him that way, because especially in the 90s, like, nobody ever accurately wrote autistic characters when they were intending to, but, like, I'm watching the show, I'm like, no, this guy, this is an autistic, this is a man, 110%. And I love it. Um, it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> oh. Denise is not in season one, right? That's season two, correct? Do you know a Denise? That's not his tape recorder. His tape recorder is a different name, right? No, that's, that, that, that's Diane. That's Diane. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no I don't know Denise yet. Okay. I don't want to spoil, but... um. I don't know if you should know, know or not. <laughs> I will. I. I will. I'm gonna. I. I will take it. It can be a surprise. Well, I'll. I'll get there. Okay. I'll let. I'll let you get get fully surprised. Um, okay. Because I've honestly managed to insulate myself quite a bit from Twin Peaks, and cool, most of the plot turns. There's. <laughs> I'll just say. I'll just say without any spoilers, it's a. It's simul. Simultaneously, extremely progressive, and also still kind of like dated. Okay. And I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil. Okay, I will see. I am excited. Okay. Um. I I want to have a conversation about that because I actually think there's a lot of praise to be said, and I I, I will we will we will cross that bridge as you get more into Twin Peaks. And I can't wait for you to see this series go from being like, like it's pretty like straightforward follow drama with a little bit of sprinkles of, of the bizarre, right? Like it's, it's still fairly like, like your typical drama show. Um, but I, the, the series does fear hard into Lynch later. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. I'm excited to go forward, and I we will talk oh, about it more. We will also talk about uh, I, uh, when you watch the movie, Firewalk With Me. I will I will watch it with you. Or at least at okay. the time. Okay. Yeah, well, we can talk about that, because I want yes, to see the movie sure. again. <laughs> Alright, um, but the, this is a teaser for the next time, having a longer conversation about that. I'm glad that we were able to all, all three of us, get back together to to do this episode. Is there any last thoughts you wanted to say before anyone else wanted to say before we uh, we wrap things up? But uh, human beings like deserve that. bodily autonomy. Fuck the Supreme Court. Death to fascism. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that I mean, that's that's all we really have to say. I really hope that we've alienated listeners by doing that. Because if you if you're mad about that, go fuck yourself. Alrighty. And with with that with that little note, um, do you want to do plugs? Who wants to go first? Uh, you can find me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter, where I'm live tweeting every single time I watch Twin Peaks. Um, but it's mostly snarky, because I'm like that when I live tweet. Uh, 
and also at the Final Whore on TikTok, where I'm mostly uh, ruffling some feathers. You do that a lot. I do. I do seem to be doing that a lot. Um, sorry, just a quick side note. Um, it is very important to me that all of you people out there understand that just because uh, a blatant product placement advertisement is being spoken in a sarcastic voice, doesn't make it not a blatant product placement advertisement. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. That's 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 your TED talk. It's my TED talk for the day. <laughs> a man tried to tell me I lacked media literacy, and I did not take that statement well. <laughs> anyway, Jazzy. Men, men very often are not good at media literacy. Jazzy, go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at Lady Jazzington. You can also find me on Twitch under the same one. I plan to resume my streams soon enough. Not with the Kingdom Hearts ones, because I need to get a good computer before I stream that with my usual co-host, Shakira. Um, but I will be, um, I think, I, it won't be this weekend, but starting next week, I'll be doing... Uh, Neo, The World Ends With You on Wednesdays, and the Spyro Reignited Trilogy on Saturdays. Um, you can also find me on YouTube under Jazzy Oliver. It's mostly shit posts. Uh, and you can go to my, and for VO, voice voiceover-related stuff, you can find me at jazzyolivervo.com. And my name is Crystal Williams. You can follow me on my Medium, um, where I write things and do do lots of cool activist stuff and you can you can also follow me on twitter at crystal w rocks and you can say hi and you can be nice to me that would be really helpful and um if you can donate to either of us or any of us here that would be cool um we love you listeners thank you for for staying around as we uh we have the good times and the bad times and we all make it through this uh Genuinely love you all. So until next time, this has been a Galaxy Geekdom episode signing off. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.